the schools are broken up for the summer and many are heading off on their holidays. Traditionally, um, in the town that I grew up in, this week, starting this weekend, is when everybody went on holiday. The mills would be shut, being um, in a baker's family, our shop would be shut because there would be nobody in the town to buy the bread. Everybody would be heading off on a break. But in my family, there was always a joke that the rest of the town should avoid going where my grandparents were going. In 1968, they went to Paris in the spring. And a couple of weeks later, there was the student revolt. In 73, they went to Egypt. They were barely back home before the Yom Kippur War broke out. In 79, they took me with them to Jersey. It was the wettest summer the Channel Islands had known. There was not a strawberry to be had anywhere. They said, I'm sure that the pottery will be able to get you a knickerbocker glory. They did. It was made with tinned raspberries. And on the day of the big annual festival, the Battle of the Flowers, I spent the morning watching out a window as the sun loungers got blown into the hotel swimming pool. It was a bit bit not too dissimilar from this. A series of coincidences they were. I'm sure that my grandparents actually had nothing to do with these incidents. But they developed a reputation for bringing misfortune. That they had well over 50 years of marriage, 50 summers, where disaster did not strike, was inconsequential. That was by the by. We remembered them for those instances where it did happen. For those tales of woe. I wonder what family and friends think of you. What stories do they recall that speak of who you are as a person? What happens in your life that is the quirks that they go, oh, that's them. That's their characteristics. I'm sure we all have them, though I can't think of any I might have other than the fact that there was a conversation before the service about where I had filed something. And I said, it's all right, it'll be on the study floor. Jesus asks his friends, who do people say I am? The crowds have been flocking to him. They've wanted to see the miracles, but the story behind the signs being understood 
Did they want to know that too? Did they understand who Jesus was? What reputation is being built? That of a conjurer? Or of a prophet? That of a philosopher? Or that of a priest? The responses suggest somebody of God, though we don't know quite which disciple had heard what. They themselves, however, will know he is not John the Baptist, as many of them had seen John. They had been with John. They'd been followers of him. Likewise, the issue of Elijah if anyone was preparing the way in the wilderness and fulfilling that role of a prophet, then the Baptist is obviously the one who had taken the outfit of a hairy coat and the leather belt, as seen Elijah wear in 2 Kings 1. These disciples have seen more. Forget about the crowd. The crowd that has not yet got the message. What do the disciples think of him? Well, we have our own images of the disciples, don't we? Doubting Thomas. James and John, the sons of thunder given that name because maybe they had a bit of a wild reputation in how they responded. Judas Iscariot, the betrayer. And, of course, impetuous Peter, who is the heir that fills a vacuum. The moment something's there, he'll jump in. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the anointed one. The challenge is, of course, what does that title he has just applied to Jesus mean to Peter? What is he saying? What is his understanding of the Christ, of the anointed one? Aaron and his sons are anointed by Moses at their ordination as priests. And the oil used is normally to anoint the altar. So we might see it as a ritualistic thing, but also a thing about setting aside for godly work. We might think of Samuel anointing Saul and then a bit later David marking them as chosen and also how Solomon is anointed to take the throne from his father again the oil is for God's purpose but there it is marking a king chosen by God But the thoughts of Peter and the disciples would probably go beyond the priests, beyond the kings, 
unto the words of Isaiah. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. The prophet proclaimed a coming time of change led by an anointed one, led by the Messiah, the Christ. A time of change, a hope for the downtrodden that would be seen in a time of jubilee. The year of the Lord's favour, which in Isaiah 61 is accompanied by a day of vengeance. A real turning the tables over. The probable understanding of Peter, and perhaps the other disciples too, is that the reign of terror brought by the occupying Roman army is about to come to an end. And that the Christ is the one to do that. The Messiah will win the victory over the oppressor. And there will be everlasting joy. But of course we see here that Peter doesn't understand the nature of the battle. Of who the true oppressor is. Or how the battle will be won. And so as Jesus speaks of death. about the challenges that will be faced on the journey ahead. As he speaks of the cross, the man who doesn't understand the full depth of the issue thinks it's foolishness. Stop talking like that. You're ruining the atmosphere. You're changing the way it must be. But Jesus rebukes him in return. It's always the case, isn't it? That those who are unable to see the way are unable to see the hope that is there, the fullness that can come. Not an easy life, a challenging life, but one with hope and one that will have peace. The world measures things differently from God. Earthly riches have no value in the heavenly realm. The means to acquire such riches is normally by going against God's way through taking advantage of someone who is weaker, be it physically weaker, mentally, emotionally, financially, or in some other way of society, disadvantaged. Our cheap clothes made in the Far East cost less than they would if they were made in this country because we don't pay the workers so much. 
and they don't have the same working conditions. The factory would not be acceptable to us. The summer's heat before this weekend has seen reports of farmers needing to feed their cattle with the winter food in this country. Will we, I wonder, face higher food bills or will the powerful supermarkets put the thumbscrew on their suppliers and keep the prices lower than can reasonably produce it? We are better off often because someone is worse off. The victory over sin came through the one who was all powerful. The one through whom all was made. The one who was chosen and anointed by the Heavenly Father. The victory came by him choosing not to be powerful, but instead take the punishment for our sins, to take up the cross and go to Calvary. The taking up of the cross by Jesus is the opposite of the three responses the evil one had wanted him to take in the wilderness at the start of his ministry. Taking up the cross shows that he will be nourished and satisfied by God's word rather than the ways of the world. It demonstrates a life trusting in faith rather than requiring the reassurance of signs that the crowds had been constantly asking for. It is saying this is God's world and it will be lived God's way, the Father's way, not Satan's. If we too take up our cross, it means we don't take the easy route fitting in with the world but we will be different. We will make change and people will see that we are different. We will have different values and a different focus on the benefit to others rather than our own personal gain. Is that what your family and friends think of when they look at you? Is that the reputation that you already have? I wonder how others see us. Alfred Nobel made his money through dynamite. He hoped his legacy would be the fact it was a more stable explosive than nitroglycerine. That unstable compound had been used in mining and the blasting of tunnels for canals and railways. But it was after his brother died of natural causes and a French newspaper printed the wrong brother's obituary that Alfred saw what the world saw of him. 
not the one who had saved miners and navvies' lives, but a merchant of death and destruction. And it was out of that he chose to leave most of his estate in the trust, which presents the annual prizes. Different arts and science and, of course, peace. What about you? I don't think we've got that many wealthy millionaires about to leave a trust fund that will establish an international prize. But will you be remembered as a harbinger of doom? What about here today? Do you have a reputation as someone who not only knows the Lord, but lives for him? Proclaiming his greatness and getting your hands dirty as you do his work. This summer, think of what it means to know that Jesus came as the Messiah, the Christ. And how we are called to pick up our cross as we follow him. Amen.